Alright, hello everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. As we continue our Bible study tonight on the new you and the Holy Spirit by Andrew Womack. And uh, this is actually a two-part book, The New You and the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're, we're actually going to be finishing the first half of the book tonight on the new you. And possibly tonight we'll be starting the second half of the book about the Holy Spirit. Anyway, um... You can uh, also follow us on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, uh, excuse me. And then uh, all of our messages are archived there. You can also uh, support our ministry financially uh, through that uh, media as well. And then we, are, are, we also have a YouTube channel at Lighthouse Discipleship Center, and all of our messages are archived there as well. Our website will also give you... Other medias that we have our messages uh, either in both audio, visual, video format, or just audio. Anyway, thank you for joining us tonight. Like I said, we're going to be wrapping up probably the first section of this book because again, this is two two books in one: the New You and the Holy Spirit. So we're going to actually be in chapter seven tonight. If you have your books, uh, we're going to recap a little bit, and then we'll get again, uh, and then we're going to uh, wrap up this chapter. Yeah, what this last chapter about the new you uh, is is talking about knowing him intimately. And if you have been following our ministry at any point in time, you know that we talk a lot about a relationship with God, because uh, us that's a very foundational. Um, foundational. Well, the 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 most important thing is how uh, is, is beginning a relationship with God. Uh, but one, just like any relationship, you don't just start it. You don't just get married and you're done. Uh, you have to continue the relationship if it's going to last, at least in the marriage, but uh, but uh, or any other re- type of relationship. But with God, you know, we, we, it's all. See, it's not about living morally. It's not about living godly. It's not about living holy. Even though we we support all that, we we preach that, we <coughs> we teach a, living a holy, godly life. But that's not the goal. That's one of the fruits. That's one of the byproducts. That's one of the, the, the benefits uh, of, of, of walking with God. But the, the, the goal of Christianity is a relationship with God. If you, now, if you're living holy and you're living godly outside of a relationship with God, first of all, I don't know how you can. Uh, but if you, if, you, if, you, if you could, then you're boasting in what you're doing and you're not boasting... Uh, uh, who God is in you. Everything, including living a godly life, should flow out of a relationship with God. You can't control your flesh by the flesh. That's impossible. The only way you can control your flesh is by God. And the only thing that can make anything holy is the blood of Jesus. So uh, you can't even live a godly life without a relationship with God. So that can't. So a lot of people are trying to get something they can't get on their own. <laughs> You can't get. You could never have been saved on your own, and you can't <coughs> live a godly life on your own. Yet that's not the goal. The goal is that intimate. It's not just any. You know, there's a different level of relationships. There's some friendships I have. I call them friends, but I really don't have a relationship with them. You know, we don't talk hardly. We don't. We don't communicate. We we never get together. Uh, you know, it's it's a very shallow. In one sense of the word, sorry, relationship, and in that sense of the word, not that I, I'm sorry that I, I know them. It's just, but the, my closest friends, those that one I have, we <coughs> we fellowship often, we get together often, we hang out often. Some more than others because of location and different things. 
But, you know, uh, a good relationship, you're going to connect. You know, try to have a relationship with someone you're not connecting with. <coughs> yes, so it's slim to none. And so, anyway, uh, enough introduction. Let's get into some of the, the teaching. So, Sherry's going to reread chapters, the first part of chapter 7 and then uh, finish out the chapter. So, she's going to read a whole chapter 7 here. It's only uh, a couple pages for us. Uh, anyway, uh, we've read longer material before. And so, uh, anyway, Sherry, uh, when you're ready to go, let's go for it. Okay. God saved you for the purpose of enjoying an intimate relationship with Him from now on. Salvation isn't just insurance from hell's flames. Neither does God intend that you receive forgiveness for your sins and then merely survive until heaven. Salvation is so much more. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16 And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. John 17.3 Salvation is getting to know this awesome, wonderful, loving God for the rest of eternity. Jesus came to give you eternal life. The idea that salvation is merely fire insurance came from the church putting a period where the Bible only has a comma. It's not, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, period. So many preachers stop here and, and emphasize salvation's byproduct of missing hell and totally ignore God's primary purpose but have everlasting life. You were saved for intimate relationship with your heavenly father and his son. Jesus came because he loved you. He didn't come as a dutiful creator under some sense of obligation to rescue his wayward creation. Christ's motivation was pure love and anyone who loves has a need to be loved in return. God's compassion for you in your lost condition and his passion to restore you to fellowship with him was combined into a sacrificial love that endured the cross. With the barrier of sin forever removed, you've been freed to receive his love and to love him in return. The relationship Adam and Eve lost has now been restored to you, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, Galatians 1.4. Jesus didn't just save you from a future evil world, hell. He also delivered you from this present evil world according to the Father's will. You are now able to walk and talk with him. Get to know God. Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 1611. Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. 1 Peter 1, 7 and 8. True joy and happiness in this life comes from your intimacy with God. Knowing him is eternal life. Thank you. You're ready. The, 
Become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. A disciple is a learner, someone who follows another. If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 31 and 32. Learn what God's word says, and do what he instructs you to do. As you step out in faith to follow Jesus, the freedom in your life will increase more and more. Your heart attitude should be, Lord, I know you love me, and I love you too. Show me what to do, and I'll do it. I'll follow you. I follow you. Lay everything out before him and make no reservations. Recognize that he is God and you're not. Hold nothing back from him because he's already given you everything. He laid down his very life for you. The truth shall make you free. Thy word is truth, John 17, 17. It's only the word you know and follow that makes you free. You can carry your Bible under your arm and set it beside your bed but until you put his word in your heart, it won't do you any good. Meditate, chew on his word until it becomes a part of you. Once you believe it to the point of taking action, you'll know the word intimately. When this knowledge comes, it'll set you free. I strongly suggest you get my teaching eternal life. It expounds much more on your relationship with the Lord. Welcome to God's family. If you take to heart what I've shared with you and do it, you'll be well on your way to maturity. I've included for you uh, I've included for you a helpful list of my teaching materials available that discuss in much greater detail many of the topics I've touched on so far. God will use them to further deepen your roots and strengthen your foundation. I strongly encourage you to get a hold of them as soon as possible. Choosing to make the Lord Jesus Christ the center of your life is the greatest decision you'll ever make. I congratulate you for choosing wisely. As your brother or sister in Christ, I wish to leave you with this word from God our Father. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. 2 Peter 3.18 Alright. So again, uh, this this has been uh, two books in one. We, we're wrapping up the first section of this book, talking about the new year, the Holy Spirit, and kind of recap from last week, and also what we read tonight. You know, again, the core of Christianity is having a relationship with God. You know, uh, a lot of people uh, put a period where uh, uh, put a comma where God put uh, had a lot of people put a period where God has put a comma. You know, and, and John 3.16, probably one of the most famous verses of all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And God didn't just die so we wouldn't be without sin and we can go to heaven. That is a major part of it. Don't get me wrong. But He, the, the most major part is that he wants a relationship with us. He wants us to have everlasting life. And according to John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that we know him. Knowing Jesus, knowing God, is eternal life. You, you, can expect, you can experience the benefits of eternal life here, and you can, experience the, and, you can and will experience the benefits of eternal life 
when Jesus comes again. Are you are you dying to be with the Lord? And so, uh, you know, uh, there's so many benefits. Heaven is just one of those. But even even the most even as beautiful and awesome as heaven will be, the greatest benefit of heaven is that Jesus is there. That's you know you know the the worst thing about hell is not so much the torment, even though that's going to be bad. I mean, it's going to be worse than bad. But I, the worst thing about hell is God's not there. I mean, even in even as evil as this world is, God is still here. His earth, his the the earth is filled with His glory. God is here, even though people might not uh, live for Him. Even though there's some people who who are very evil, you know, God is still here. And so no one has ever experienced <coughs> on this planet uh, a life without God. They might have suppressed him down. They might have ignored him. They have, might have rejected him. They might have done anything but, that, anything but godly stuff. But, God, but hell is without God. The core of Christianity is a relationship with God. One of the major benefits of Christianity is that we get to go to heaven. Among any, many other things, healing, wholeness, uh, prosperity, whatnot. And so, but a relationship with God is the core. And you can't live this Christian life. You can't <coughs> live a godly life. You can't be successful without God. And you see, a lot of people ask me what the definition of success is. The definition of success for me is being in the center of God's will. It's not always being the most famous, the most rich, and, uh, and, and the most well, success to me is doing what God's called me to do. If we do this church and we do this ministry and we reach one person, I call that success. If we reach 100 people, I call that success. It's not about how many people we're reaching. We're, it's about... We are being in the center of God's will to meet our success. And so anyway, having a relationship with God is, is ideal. And when Jesus called us, he kind of in the second half of this chapter, is that we, we follow him. Jesus told the disciples when he first called them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We were, God has called us in the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. We need to be disciples. How, now that we're born again, which we've been talking throughout the first half of this book, what do we do now? Well, you weren't born again just to go to heaven. You were born again to be a disciple. A disciple is a dis disciplined learner. There's discipline involved. There's effort involved to, being dis to, to, being, to learn God, to learn a relationship with God. You know... Even marriage, I mean, as, as lovely as it is, there's work involved. Any relationship, you're going to have to work on that relationship. You know, whether it's a relationship with your, with your spouse, whether it's a relationship with your kids, a relationship with your parents, a relationship with friends, even a relationship with enemies. Even a relationship with your dog takes work or your pet. You know, if you're going to have any kind of a relationship, it's going to take effort. It's not just you getting served. It's about you serving the other person as well. <coughs> and and a relationship with God will take effort to get to know Him. He wants to know you. He wants to, he, he wants to minister to you, but it's going to take effort. He, he he is always. I mean, God never clocks out. He never goes to sleep. He never turns off. 
you want to talk all night with him, he'll talk. You know? <coughs> Excuse me. But we need, we're called to make disciples. And there's some things that we've taught so far in this book about being in the Word of God, about going to church, are all tools to help us have a relationship with God. But we need to know Him intimately. And, you know, there's some friends, I'm, like I said a minute ago, I'm acquainted with them. I know them. I call them friend. But there's really no relationship that much, that often, if hardly at all. I don't consider that friendship an intimate friendship. If we're friendly, we're not enemies. I like them. They might. <coughs> I hope they like me. But at the same point in time, you know, but there are some friends I am very intimate with as far as we really connect. And so, so um, anyway, I hope I'm making sense with, with all of this. Um, you know, um, you, you want to add anything? I know I got more. I, I just I just like that Andrew brings out that there's more than just being saved to go to heaven. That Amen. there is a lifestyle, there is this relationship, there is knowing the truth, and the truth will set you free. And more and more as I'm getting to know God and I'm strengthening my relationship and I'm getting in his word. His truth is indeed setting me free. And anyone with any kind of, of testimony, um, especially healing testimony, they're in God's word and they just take his word to heart and it, it, it's, it sets them free because they have, have just, they don't accept anything else. And, you know, in Second Peter, which Andrew... Uh, alludes to but I want to read a little bit more I'll start with verse 2 and uh, go to verse 8 but it says grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord and I'm going to kind of break it down as I go along grace and peace are multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord the more you know him the more grace and peace you get as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Again, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. There's that life, that eternal life, that knowing God now is eternal life. And that's like living life now. So it's not struggling to get through till we get to heaven. It is for life now. By which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Again, partakers of the divine nature, knowing him, relationship with him. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. That giving all diligence speaks to that effort that Dave was talking about in, in this relationship. But I wanted to get to... Verse 8, for if these things are yours and abound, you will 
be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it goes back to knowing the truth and that truth that you know setting you free. That the more knowledge of Jesus Christ, the more intimacy with that relationship, uh, you will be neither barren or unfruitful. And it's that, that life, that eternal life, uh, that is just uh, amazing. <laughs> it's, it's just so good to know our Savior, to get through life, um, to have that joy, that unspeakable joy. You know, Andrew was bringing out verses about, um, let's see if I can find it, uh, in in both in Psalms and in First Peter about knowing and rejoicing uh, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Knowing Christ, having that relationship with God and Jesus both will give you such joy. You know, I, I, I keep seeing phrases and, and thoughts about, you know, choosing to make God the Lord, Jesus the, the center of your life is the greatest decision you ever make. It's not just, it, you know, I was thinking about this, and I've thought about this before. If the only reason you want to be saved is so you go to heaven, not hell, but you don't want to be saved so you can have a relationship with God, in one sense of the word, that's very selfish. <laughs> You're just thinking about you. And yes, we all want to go to heaven. We don't want to go to hell. But if that's your goal, if that's all you're after, if all you're after is God being pleased with you, and we all want God to be pleased with us. But if that's your goal, if that's all you care about, if that's your attitude, in one sense of the word, that's a, it's kind of a sorry attitude. It's kind of a sorry goal. You know, yes, that's all stuff we should want. And yes, that's all stuff we should, uh, uh, that's all stuff that's part of the process. But in, in any relationship, if all you care about is you, with your, your spouse, with your kids, with your parents, with your friends, even your enemies, even uh, people at work, your employer, employee, all you care about is yourself, that is selfish. And how, how do you change that attitude? Have a relationship with God. You can't even change that attitude without a relationship with God. But uh, at the same point in time, you know, yes, the he will give you more than you could ever give him. At the same point, he has given you more. He's given you everything. But at the same point in time, you know, this whole relationship with God is to get to know him more. You know, that's one of the joys in any relationship, whether it's, a, again, it's a romantic relationship or a friendship of any kind. It's getting to know the person. I mean, when you, you meet for the first time, you get you start asking questions. What do you do for a living? Tell us your story. How you do how did you meet if it's with a couple? You know, you and one of the joys of a relationship is getting to know them. And so getting to know God, knowing him, you know, and uh uh and so anyway, that I, I, I there's not enough I can say about that. It's it's a relationship, it's not a religion. I even almost hate that word religion. Uh, you know. Um, but it's a relationship. And and it, you know, yes, you should love your kids. Yes, you should love uh, your spouse. But you need to love God. Yet, as much as I say you need to love God, 
God's not so much concerned how much you love him. He's more concerned how much you know that he loves you. Because you can't love him. You can't love your spouse and your kids and other people. You can't love yourself until you know how much God loves you. He said it this way in 1 John 4 and 11. This is love. Not that you love him. But that he loved you and became the propitiation for your sins. You know, we can talk about all, my, all the things that we need to do. Should do. Could do. But it all starts with you knowing how much he loves you. We're talking about having an intimate relationship with God. Well, you know, as, as much as we are exhorting you to have a relationship with God, He always makes the first move, not you. Because He already made the first move at the cross. He made the first move when you didn't want anything to do with God. He didn't even know about God. He already made the first move. He made the first move before you were born. And 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 this and in this intimate relationship, this intimate relationship with God won't even work if you don't know His love for you. It won't work because that's where it starts. So you might know, and you're hearing me say that you need to have an intimate relationship with God. Yes, I can teach just as much as you need to love one another. There's over a hundred scriptures in the New Testament how we need to love one another. That's your greatest evangelism to the world, is how you love one another, how you treat one another. Yet you can't love God, and you can't love one another. You can't love your spouse, you can't love your kids, you can't love the ones that are dear to you, until you first, to, to the capacity, I'm not saying you can't love them, because there are people who lo do love their kids, and do love their families, and do love people, and do love things without God. But you can't love them to the capacity. You can't love them with God's kind of love. Until you know he loves you. So if you only learn one thing from everything we're teaching you. Focus all of your energy on knowing his love for you. And when you know his love for you, you will fall in love with God. You know, uh, everything Sherry just read from Peter and whatnot. This, this knowledge being multiplied to you is in the knowledge of him. That word knowledge is gnosko. It's root word. And it's the same word that Mary said when she talked to the angel Gabriel. We're here, right now we're in the middle of Christmas. And we hear the Christmas story. But in the Christmas story, uh, she told the angel Gabriel, How can this be since I have not known a man? Throughout the Bible, you'll see so-and-so knew his wife, knew her. They knew each other. That word know is intimacy. We, grace and peace will be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. It says in Ephesians 3.19 that if you, know, if you know his love, that surpasses knowledge. There's two different kinds of knows in that verse. One's a knowing, intimate, and one's a knowing knowledge. You know, I can know about somebody. So, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, hear, I'll have a conversation with some, somebody and they'll say, Do you know, have you ever heard of this preacher? I've ever heard of, well, I know of them. I've heard of their name, but I don't know them. You know, uh, I've, I've had conversations with Andrew Womack, but I don't know, I don't know him personally. Uh, you know, um, and whatnot. Anyway, there's different kinds of knowing. 
But it says in Ephesians 3.19, it says, When you know his love, you'll be filled with the very fullness of God. That's very, that's intimate. You're filled with the fullness of God. Do you know how big God is? He, if you have the fullness of God, you don't just have healing, you have the healer on the inside of you. If you have the fullness of God, you don't just have provision, you have the provider on the inside of you. If you have the fullness of God, whatever you need, healing, provision, deliverance, wisdom, love, all the fruit of the Spirit, all the gifts of the Spirit, everything, all that is on the inside of you. We'll talk more about the gifts in a few weeks when we get into the talk about the Holy Spirit some more. But if you are filled with the fullness of God, Everything you need is in on the inside of you. And how do you get filled with God? Knowing his love. According to Ephesians 3.19. That's Ephesians 3.19. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly above all that you could ever ask or imagine according to the power of that is at work in you. I don't know about you, but God, I mean, God, God says He can do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ever ask or imagine. Even if you didn't ask it in prayer, but you imagined it. I don't know about you, but I have a wild imagination, and He's able to do beyond your imagination, according to the power that works in you. What power? This is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Chapter 1 talks about the power to raise Christ from the dead. Even though you have the resurrection power on the inside of you, if you're born again, which we've been talking about in the new you, the preceding verse, verse 19, just said that you've been filled with this fullness. If you are filled with God's fullness, you, don't, you can't find, you can't have anything more powerful than the fullness of God Almighty on the inside of you. Yes, you have the resurrection power, but you have the fullness. Not a part of God, not just the head of God. You have the fullness of God. The fullness of God. The God who created the universe. I mean, um, we're supposed to be able to go out on the 21st and see Saturn and Jupiter uh, come almost... Uh, uh, side by side, we call the, it's called the Bethlehem Star. It's supposed to be shining 45 minutes after sunset on the 21st. It's, it's supposed to be out there now. But that's supposed to be the best day to see it. The God who created all of that is on the inside of you. His fullness. And if God is on the inside of you, he says, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine. And how do you get this power? Knowing his love. It's a beautiful love story. It's just, it, it's as simple and as powerful and complicated as that. Knowing his love. And uh, you, don't, you don't get to know somebody's love 
through a, through a, a five-second prayer. That's where it starts. You know, our relationship is, we're celebrating 20 years, going on 21. But it didn't, you know, it started with being acquainted. It started with getting to know each other. It started with going, <coughs> going on a date. You go on a date to get to know the other person. And so, we need to have a lot of dates. And we need to have a lot of dates with God. Going to church, reading the Bible, so you can get to know God. You know, even friendships. When we get together, we go out and talk and go for food or amusement or camping together or we come over for dinner or we go <coughs> go to a movie. Of course, with the movie, sometimes you don't talk so much. But at the same point in time, you're getting to know them. And so uh, we, we can know his love. It's not just... You know, reading the Bible is one thing, but getting to know Him personally, experiencing God is another thing. And another way of experiencing God, which we've been talking about, is going to church. Because it's the body of Christ. See, I don't just have a relationship with Sherry's head. <laughs> I have a relationship with the whole body. Okay? And Jesus is a head. But the body of Christ. And I get that sometimes the body of Christ doesn't get along. But you know what? Sometimes my body doesn't get along with me either. Right now, <coughs> when I talk sometimes and I get preaching, my body wants to cough. I'm not okay with that. My body doesn't always get along. You know? And so, but that doesn't mean I just say, well, if body, if you're going to keep coughing, lungs are going to get rid of you. Good luck living with that. You know? We have to get along. Just because I stubbed my toe doesn't mean I cut it off. No, I just, I need to tell my eyes, you need to watch where you're going. <laughs> you know? Uh, so, your body, to, my body doesn't always, doesn't always agree with me. My body doesn't always get along with me. But I don't just end the relationship with my body because it's not, it's having a bad, <coughs> it's having a bad day. And I'm hoping I'm making sense. And I'm just using that as an analogy. But there are different ways that we get to know God. And, you know, even with Sherry. There's not, we don't just go on one date, one kind of date. This is all we do. Nothing but this. No, we do different things. You know? Um, sometimes we go to the mountains. Sometimes we go to the beach. I know right now with COVID, it's hard to know where to go, what, where, what to do. So we're a little limited. But, you know... Uh, we just do different things uh, and, and enjoy the relationship. So there's more than one way to get to know somebody. But the key is, it's not so much about the date. It's not so much about the wedding. It's not so much about the, the event. It's about getting to know each other. It's about the friendship. It's about the relationship. It's about the marriage. And so we need to get to know God intimately. <coughs> And you can't get to know anybody intimately if you don't spend time together. You cannot get to know God intimately if you don't go to church. You cannot get to God intimately if you don't read the Bible. You can't get to know God intimately if you don't spend time in prayer. You can't get... It just doesn't work. And so it won't happen. It doesn't, it doesn't happen by osmosis. You know... 
It doesn't happen just by memorizing verses. It, that's a key thing. That's an awesome thing. That's an amazing thing to do. And I encourage it. But at the same point in time, if it's about knowing what you're reading. It's about under... <coughs> I'm, I'm more interested that you understand the scriptures and you have memorized the scriptures. I'm, I'm more interested that you know God, know Him, understand Him, than you can quote Him. Anybody can quote somebody. But do you know it? Do you understand it? Do you have a relationship with it? And that's what discipleship's about. You have to, it takes time. It takes time to learn math. It takes time to learn to read and write. It takes time to learn how to cook. It takes time to learn how to do anything you've learned to do. It took you time to learn to walk. It took time to learn how to talk. It didn't take you much long to learn how to cry and to beg and to, and to plead and, and, uh, and whine, get angry, throw a fit. Some of those things you learned as a two-year-old and before. But it takes a while to learn. It takes time to learn how to share and get along and and uh, uh, whatnot. So uh, anyway, it just takes time. And uh, so anyway, you got anything to share? Yeah, I just wanted to piggyback on uh, not settling for just uh, getting saved to go to to heaven, but the whole idea of this tremendous relationship with God in this eternal life that we're talking about. Um, years ago, I heard an example, and I've used it for other things, not just what the, the Bible teacher was, was using it for. But it's kind of like these ducks just splashing around in a muddy puddle and being content with that when just over the hill there is this beautiful, huge lake that has room to, to spread their wings, it has room to swim around, it has all the food and nu nutrients, and it, it's just beautiful. But the ducks don't know it's there. They're just like, well, this water's here. I, I guess I'll be happy with this puddle. But instead, they have this whole gorgeous lake to to spread their wings and, and, and live, and it, it's kind of like, People being, okay, I'm saved, that, that is good enough for me, versus living eternal life now and living with the body of Christ and, and doing everything that God's called you to do and, and knowing Him. and I mean, life is just so tremendous. And um, are you okay with settling for just getting by or do you want the best life can offer you uh the, which is eternal life with god and uh to me it's an easy choice um you know would you rather me give you uh, a cheese sandwich which is two pieces of bread with a slice of cheese in the middle or would you rather treat me to your favorite restaurant where you can get whatever it is on the menu that you want um, and that you and you can fill your tummy and be satisfied, and your taste buds are, buds are happy because it's your favorite food. You know which which would you like the crummy, unsatisfying cheese sandwich or the the meal that that satisfies you know your 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 scent as you you know smelling the good food, your taste buds, your your tummy. I mean everything's happy, even your eyes seeing the food on the table. You know, what would you rather have? It's kind of like a, a moot question. Like, 
that's a stupid question, Sherry, but uh, what do you want to settle for? Just to get by or to have a tremendous life? Anyway, I think that's a no-brainer. <laughs> but, you know, it just takes, it takes a while to, to get them, uh, to work on any relationship. So, anyway, that's the goal of Christianity. You know, uh, there's a lot more we can say about that. Let's go ahead and jump and at least uh, dive in, begin diving into the Holy Spirit. This is the second half of the book. Uh, we're going to read another introduction. This is the second introduction to the book, and the, uh, to the second book anyway. So go ahead and read that, Sherry, and then we'll get started. Millions of Christians today have received God's power into their lives through the separate, distinct experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Wherever you go in the world, Africa, Asia, Europe, North or South America, Australia, these believers are aggressively and effectively advancing the kingdom of God. I grew up being told that God's miraculous power had ceased on earth with the passing of the early church. This led me to believe that I had received all of the Holy Spirit I could get at salvation. After being saved for many years, I became frustrated with my powerless, defeated Christian life. In desperation, I sought the Lord with all my heart and stumbled into the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This powerful encounter with God revolutionized my entire life. Today, decades later, later my relationship with the Lord is deeper and stronger than ever. I regularly see miracles of every kind, and my teaching ministry literally reaches around the world. None of this would have been possible apart from the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Whether you are newly born again or have been saved for many years, God's Word clearly reveals that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is necessary, standard equipment for living a fruitful and fulfilled Christian life. The Lord himself commanded, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, John 20, 22. I encourage you to do so today. Right. So like we said, uh, the second we're gonna we're entering the second half of the book. We're gonna be entering chapter eight here. Uh, we have a few more minutes left. Uh, we're gonna go back to the Holy Spirit. So the rest of this book, the rest of this study, is gonna be about the Holy Spirit. We obviously won't finish these chapters tonight. That's not the goal. Uh, so we'll be talking about many different things regarding the baptism of the Holy Spirit, empowering our lives. So. Anyway, we, we encourage it. You know, Jesus didn't start his earthly ministry until he received the Holy Spirit. The disciples didn't start their ministry until they received the Holy Spirit. You know, and so, uh, and, the, and you'll find it throughout the book of Acts. I, I forget what now. I did a study on this a while back. I think there's at least nine accounts, if not more. They heard, the, they heard the gospel, believed the gospel, were saved. And actually, they put it in a different format, is that they... They heard the gospel, believed the gospel, were saved, and were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, you'll find that almost every single time in the book of Acts. They, 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 they were saved, they were baptized in water, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. You'll see that almost every single time. And so, um, and, and, and you'll see that the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was distinct. It was a, it was a different event. There was one event with Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Well, they actually received the baptism of the Holy Spirit before they were water baptized. Nothing wrong with that. And so, uh, and so, uh, it just, uh, most people received, uh, did all three almost right away. 
Yeah, and so it, it, it usually wasn't very, very uh, they weren't off, far off from each other. Anyway, we'll get into a little more detail with some of that as we go forward. So let's go ahead and jump into chapter 8 here. We're about to get, and get started, and no more, uh, we'll pick it up next week and, and read and get into more of the second half of the book. So the title of chapter 8 is called Empowered Lives. I was born again at 8 years old. Our pastor had preached a message on hell in church that morning. Even though I hadn't done many terrible things in my young life, I recognized that I had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I knew hell was a place where people who didn't accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior went. This concerned me, so I asked my father about it. He explained God's holiness and how sin separated me from him. He also told me how God's justice demanded that I go to hell. Then, Dad made it clear that Jesus came to forgive my sin and suffer the punishment in my place. I remember praying with my father to receive the Lord right there in my bedroom. Immediately, I felt an inner release as peace flooded my heart. The next day at school, my friends noticed a change in me before I told anyone of my, con of my conversion. What's different with you, they asked. When I answered that I'd been born again, they immediately started making fun of me for being a Christian. Although these classmates recognized an initial difference at my conversion, subsequent evidence of my faith in Christ was meager at best. My closest friend from grade school never knew I was a Christian until he saw me recently on television. He'd just gone through an extremely difficult time in life and had reached out to receive the Lord from the absolute end of his rope. While visiting with each other for the first time in over 30 years, he was totally shocked to discover that I'd been a Christian the whole time we were friends together growing up. My faith simply didn't affect anyone else's life. I prayed six months straight for my father to be healed, but nothing happened. He died when I was 12. Although I easily overcame temptations others yielded to, the tangible demonstrations of God's power described of believers in the Bible were noticeably absent from my life. Basically, Christianity to me was just the doctrines and beliefs I held inside. Then, on March 23, 1968, I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Something within me exploded and my understanding of God immediately shot through the roof. It took many years of renewing my mind before I was able to explain to others the things I instantly knew in my spirit. In fact, my mother thought I'd lost my mind because of the sudden, radical, outward transformation of my soul, my thinking, and my actions. My intense new zeal for God, coupled with a lack of wisdom, even got me kicked out of a few churches. I had become a fanatic overnight. You never would have heard of me if I hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I would have maintained my nominal salvation, surviving until heaven, and making practically no eternal impact here on earth. This prior lack of victory in outward manifestation of God's power isn't unique only to me. I've read many, many testimonies of people who experience the same thing, even in the Bible. That's awesome. awesome. I actually want to recap uh, uh, the third to the last paragraph, a part of it. Uh, my, my faith simply didn't affect anyone's life. I prayed six months straight. 
<clears throat> for my father to be healed and nothing happened. He died when I was 12. Although I easily overcame temptations, others, others yielded to the tangible demonstration of God's power described in the in believers in the Bible were noticeably absent from my life. Basically, Christianity to me was just the doctrines and beliefs I held inside. You know, I that's one uh, a kind of a commentary I've seen with a lot of Christians through the years, I, and that was kind of in my childhood, in my growing up. You know, I had a lot of good people in my life and whatnot, but I all I and I, I maybe didn't put in these words at the time, but all I just saw was a bunch of doctrines and beliefs. They might have been good doctrines, they might have been good beliefs, but no power. You know, I wasn't seeing people healed. I wasn't seeing. And that's one of the things that bothered me when I finally was in high school. And I, I remember, I don't, I don't have time to share the whole story, but I, I was, I went to a Christian school, grew up in a good home, went to good churches, but not. I have nothing to complain about any of that. But at the same point in time, uh, I'm talking about my walk, my relationship with God, and I, I didn't like where my relationship with God was at. And to me, it was just dry and boring. And uh, we started having a revival. It was starting to break out in our high school. And it actually did break out and lasted for four years. So much that they even during the, the year after we graduated, uh, they canceled school for a whole week because the revival had gotten so big. But anyway, um, uh, but just at the beginning stages of this, uh, some of the, my uh, schoolmates were playing on the football field at lunchtime. And one particular day, and I didn't go, and that bothered me. It bothered me that I didn't go, <laughs> and it bothered me all day. I think I couldn't figure out why I didn't want to go. I was like, "What's wrong with me? <laughs> why wouldn't I go? And why why are my classmates on fire for God and I'm not?" And that bothered me. And I remember going home that night. I had my devotions and whatnot. I had a I, I had a had a form of religion, and I was doing right the right things, but I didn't consider myself having a relationship. Everything we were talking about earlier in the Bible study tonight. I remember having this dialogue with God. And that, and that was the first time in my life I ever remember having a dialogue with God. I mean, I got saved when I was in, in first grade. Kindergarten in a Sunday school classroom. And um, I, I grew up in a good Christian home. I always went to church, whatnot. I always believed in, in, the, in salvation. I believed I was saved and whatnot. Well, this is the first time I remember having a relationship, having a conversation with God, and uh, and I and I was like, I I was still bummed. I was like, I was like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not excited? What's wrong? And uh, and, uh, and God led me. He he said, well, I want you to read your first devotional for today. First devotional was from Matthew six thirty three. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I said, Lord, what do you mean, seek me? What does that look like? He says, well, I want you to read your second Bible verse for today, which was a totally different devotional. And it was out of Jeremiah 29, verse 11. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, because the Lord plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a future and hope. And then you will call upon me and pray to me, and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. He says, David, I don't want you to, I don't want you to just go through the motions. I want you to seek me with all your heart. And there was three prayer requests I've always had. Now, three things I really always wanted. The first one, I always wanted friends. The second one, I always wanted a special girlfriend. Of course, I have it now. So, but I still, I still want this relationship to get better. 
at the same point, and then the third thing I always wanted was I just wanted my life to count. I wanted to have a purpose, whatever that purpose was. I didn't, as a teenager, like in high school, I didn't have those friends. I didn't have that girlfriend, and I didn't have, uh, I didn't have, uh, I didn't know my purpose. Of course, I wasn't sick at career yet. But at the same point in time, I just was going through life, and I was just bored and whatnot. My grandmother used to tell me that was my favorite word, bored. And, uh, and so that, that told you something. <laughs> That told you that was my attitude. And anyway, um, the guy said, I, but he knew he knew in my heart how I imagined having friends, how I imagined doing things together, how I imagined having that special girl and whatnot, and what I would do, what I would do to go out of my way to possibly uh, come, in con, come in contact with a girl I might have had a crush on, you know, and try to see if something would spark, you know, and it, it, all, it never did. Uh, either my wood was wet or something was going on. I don't know, but uh, it just. Uh, uh, but he says, "I want you to pursue me like you would pursue that girl. Uh, I would want you to pursue me like you would pursue uh, those friendships, because I would go out of the way just to, to have friends. I mean, uh, even now I'll still drive two hours to go meet with a good friend because it's so important to me. That has always been. There's two things I've always been to cry my heart, literally at times." Is that girl and 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 friends? I have the girl, but I I, I just uh, but it's friends. I've always wanted that. And my my point is, I can get off on that tangent. But I, he said he was te God was teaching me, and the first time I had a relationship with God. But then I remember in that conversation as we continued to talk and different things. You know, again, the first time I had a conversation with God, I said, God, I just have one beef. <laughs> I said I'd read I've read your word all my life, even as a child. I read your word all my life. And so and so talked to God and God talked to them. Until now, this is the first time you and I are talking. And I knew it was my, 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 my fault. But I said, I also see the miracles. I also see the power. I see the Red Sea. I see different things happening. I said, but I don't see that happening today. I don't see the miracles. I don't see lives being changed. I don't see that happening. And either you are who you say you are, or you're not not who you are, who you say you are. And I'm not, if I'm going to seek you with all my heart, if I'm going to go all the, all the way, then, then I want to see the God that I read about all my life being real in my in life. I'm not, in, in other words, I said, I'm not interested, I didn't use the word religion because I didn't, I didn't, Think, was thinking along those lines, but I'll just put those words now. I don't want religion. I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to just play being a Christian. Either I'm going to go all out or I'm not going at all. And I was, I was just being frank with the Lord, and I was more talking to myself than him, but at the same point in time, uh, you know, I just laid it out there. My point was, I just, I was, I've never been interested in fake. I've never been interested in and I still don't like just glamour stuff. Uh, I, I, I always, Sherry prayed for a meat and potatoes guy. And that's what she got. She forgot to add on the vegetables. But, uh, uh, you know, she just, I just, I, 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 I don't know even how to describe it all. But I just, I, I like the real. I don't like the, I don't like, I mean, I know some things are nice and whatnot. And, but I'm just, you know, even uh, like, Food. I don't like gourmet. Just put it on the plate and eat it. You know, 
Don't doctor it up. Don't make it fancy. I mean, doctor it up with some good spices and flavor. But uh, anyway, I, I continue to get off this track. It's just, you know, I'm trying to tie this in with the relationship with God that we just ended on, and then we're going to begin into the Holy Spirit. We'll, we'll talk about this a lot more starting next week. And, uh, and begin the, uh, the, uh, on the, after Christmas, I'm doing a Christmas message this Sunday. But after that, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit on Sundays as well. I didn't plan that these two teachings would go side by side. But at the same point in time, you know, my I guess what I'm getting at, too, is one thing that the church is missing is the power. We we, we get we need to make sure we have the message. That's the foundation. Nothing nothing replaces that. But Paul also taught that he, he did not just preach it with word only, but with demonstration of power. And the world is longing for the power. Look at the movies. I mean, I know a lot of new movies are not coming out. All the supernatural heroes. Even all the occult-type movies. Like, um, can't even think what that, even just Harry Potter-type stuff but, uh, that uh, we don't agree with. But at the same point in time, but it's still, it's still a tap into the supernatural. You see, even see this in the Lord of the Rings and other movies as well. You see this supernaturalness. The world is crying out for supernatural. And the church has that. We have the fullness of God in us. It says in, verse, in John chapter 1, verse 16, of this fullness we have received in grace for grace. We shall, we, we shall do greater works than he because we, we, we have the Holy Spirit. We have salvation, which is the greatest miracle of all. But we, it's time to, and I'll be teaching on this, on the Holy Spirit. We, it's time to, to light the fire. It's time to get on fire. And there's a lot of talk right now about a great awakening. There's a lot of talk right now about a revival happening. And I'm all for that. I mean, my, I used to believe so much for revival. My yearbook, especially during my senior and junior year, all my classmates were saying, Dave, the, the revival's coming. Because they knew how much I wanted revival. I used to study books. I used to study stuff. But I always, whenever I did, I always said, revival starts with me. Revival starts here. Revival starts in the household of God. Revival starts with the church. You know, we're not going to get the world on fire if we can't be on fire. We need to. Paul taught Timothy, fan the flame that's within you. And I'll get into this teaching on Sunday mornings eventually. But God started the fire. We now need to get the fan and let it go. We need the ignite. We need the power. We need the, we need the energy. We need the source and empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do and be, to do what God's called to do, to be what God's called to be. It's time to see the supernatural. It's time to see miracles. It's time to see God being magnified and manifested in our midst. Not just with miracles, even though I, I just said that. But also, you know, the greatest miracle of all is seeing our life transformed. Seeing lives transformed. If we're just having miracles, they have miracles, but our life is not being touched by it. To me, that miracle is useless. <laughs> I'm not here for a show. I'm here, yes, for a I want to see a demonstration. But I want to see a demonstration that changes lives. Uh, I'm not here just for a show. I can go watch a movie for that. I can go uh, do different things for that. I'm here to see real deal. But the real deal is powerful. God is alive. The Spirit is alive. This Christianity thing is supposed to work. It's not, 
Uh, it's not a form of godliness and no power. And that's where I see a lot, not all of the church, <coughs> but a lot of the church. That was one of my complaints in, the, in high school. And I did put in so many words. And I'm not here to pick on anybody. I'm not here. I'm trying to, 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 to get to offend anybody. But I'm just like, my point is, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And church, if you have Jesus, you have the power. And I encourage, and we're going to get into it with this teaching, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's powerful. It's awesome. Jesus will change your life, but now it's time to <coughs> now it's time to put some gasoline on it. Now it's time to put some fire on this thing, and and get to work. Amen. Anything you want to add? So we're barely getting started. This is just an introduction to the the second the second half of the book. But stay tuned. We're we're great again to some big, big stuff here. So okay, but the big stuff is not important. If we're not saved, if we are not born again, you know, I, you know, people always tell me, let's get to the powerful stuff. It's going to be some good stuff, but it never is going to take away from salvation. There is nothing more important than salvation. But now that we are saved, it's now time to be empowered so we can see other people get saved and, and born again. So... Do you have something? Uh, just really quick, uh, you know, we, we have actually had people come up to us and said, that's good, Dave, you know, great preaching, but when are you going to get to the good stuff? When are you going to get to the, the powerful stuff? Well, let me just quote from, from Romans 1, and this is Paul speaking. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith I mean the gospel is the power of God so, anyway. well we bless we bless your we bless your word Lord, I just thank you for your word I thank you for your Holy Spirit and Lord, I just pray, we pray for our country. We pray for the nations right now, Lord. Uh, there's a lot going on in our in our nation right now. And Lord, we thank you that in God we trust. We thank you we're one nation, one nation under God. And we pray for our present. We pray for the integrity and the, the, the continuance of this nation. And, uh, uh, hallelujah, Lord. We just... We worship you. Lord, I pray as we go in the weeks to come about the Holy Spirit, that we would all get a, a fresh revelation of who we are and what we have to make a difference in this world, in this hour, in this generation. We thank you, Lord. We worship you. We magnify you. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you on Sunday as we live stream about 11.15 a.m. And then Sunday night at 6 p.m.